Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. You got in on a little heaven practice. You might as well learn it. We'll be singing it. Matthew chapter 6, two weeks ago we began looking at the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, whatever you want to call it. It's a model for us to learn what to say when we pray. And we looked already at beginning with our Father. Now, that was a radical idea to the Jewish people because they always looked at God as being far off and transcendent. And for Jesus to actually use the word Abba, you, when, you, when you pray, you pray like this, Abba, our Abba, our Father, our relationship type word. And that was such a radical idea. And then we also see the phrase in verse 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the phrase who art in heaven, which art in heaven. That sort of becomes a throwaway phrase for us. We don't really think about it. Our Father, we we get that relation part of it, but then when Jesus uses who art in heaven, it's no less profound than our Father. If God is in heaven, then we need to know something about it. If God dwells there, we need to know something about it. Heaven, when you think of that, you can't help but think of the time a Sunday school teacher was asking his class of children. He said, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would that get me into heaven? All the kids in unison said, no. He said, well, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Again, the teacher asked, well, then if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? And again, all of them answered no. And so he said, well, then what's it going to take for me to get into heaven? There was silence for a little bit. Finally, a five-year-old said, you got to be dead. (laughs) Pretty smart for a five-year-old, huh? You know, some people think of heaven as an imaginary place. There are people who believe it's just a state of mind or it's a wishful thinking. Some people think heaven is a projection of all the good that's in humanity. And you can read about all kinds of strange beliefs of what heaven is like. But the scripture, the Bible, tells us that heaven is a place 
The Bible says heaven is a place, it's a place. And all the people who love God through faith in Jesus Christ are either there already or they're going there to live forever in complete perfection and glory. We're gonna talk about heaven. What about heaven? A lot of people don't get very excited about heaven. But first, I wanna mention to you the prevalent references to heaven. Did you know that heaven's mentioned over 500 times in the Bible? The Hebrew word is shamayim, which is a plural word that means the heights. And the Greek word, the Greek New Testament word, refers to that which is lifted up or lofty, lofty. So when you combine the Hebrew and the Greek and look at the meanings, it means a place that is high and lifted up. Heaven. And that word is prominent in the scripture. A lot of people don't talk about heaven today, especially those that aren't old. (laughs) I'll let you define what old is. But we don't hear much talk about heaven because people aren't that excited about it. We live in a day and age where there's sort of this self-indulgent Christianity and, and people don't really want to go to heaven until they've enjoyed everything that the world has to offer. Lord, please don't send me to heaven yet. I haven't gone to Hawaii. Please don't send me to heaven yet. I haven't gone to the Bahamas. Please don't send me to heaven yet. I haven't gone on a cruise or I haven't gotten a new house or I haven't gotten a race or whatever. And we've gotten this idea that this world is going to be so much better than heaven that we say, you know, I just, I've just got to grab all of it I can right here before you send me to heaven. And then when I'm too old or too sick to enjoy this earth anymore, then God, I guess you can go ahead and promote me. First John chapter 2 tells us that if any man loves the world, and I'm talking about the system of the world, not the planet, but the system of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I think there are a lot of people who claim to love Jesus, but the fact is they become so entangled in the world that they don't ever think about heaven. Now, I got to confess to you, I don't get up every day thinking about heaven. But I will tell you that there are a lot of people who think heaven is absolutely About all it is, it's just better than the alternative. Really. Some say, well, I definitely don't want to go to hell. So, if heaven's the only other choice, I guess I'll take it. Really? Yeah, some people think think that heaven's going to be so boring, but it beats the alternative. Some people think it's going to be just like this, sitting in church for eternity. For some of you, that would be hell. Some of you can't make it 30, 40 minutes. (laughs) Now, I know that God put in us the desire to live. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live as long as we can. There's nothing wrong with that. But you and I need to understand that when you commit your life to Christ, you have transferred your citizenship to a place that you can't believe how wonderful it's going to be. I want to read some of the references just in Matthew. Listen to all the references to heaven. Let your light so shine. Verse 16 of chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Verse 34. I make no oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of God. Verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father who is 
in heaven. Chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 9, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Chapter 7, verse 11, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 12 of chapter 10, verse 32 of chapter 10. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Chapter 12, verse 50. For whoever shall do the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Then in chapter 16, verse 17, when they're at Caesarea Philippi, Peter has just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. In John's gospel, in chapter six, Jesus talks about the bread of heaven, which comes down out of the bread of God, which is, comes down out of heaven. In verse 38, he says, I have come down from heaven. Verse 41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 42, I have come down from heaven. What I want you to get is that heaven is a place. It's a definite place. It's not a state of mind. It's not wishful thinking. It's not sitting on a cloud. It's a place. It's a place where God is and where you want to go. Actually, in the scriptures, the word heaven is used to describe three distinct places. So let's talk about the particular realms of heaven. I got amused at a little girl who was opening up a picture album. She was three years old. She was looking through the family picture album. I guess now she'd have to look on your phone. She, she asked mom, said, why am I not in this picture? Well, her mom said, you weren't born yet. She said, well, what does that mean? And I wasn't born yet. So what do you tell a three-year-old? She tried to give some kind of answer that would suffice. Didn't quite suffice because when she was through, she said, then why am I not in this picture? Because you weren't born yet. If I wasn't born yet, then where was I? Before mom could think of an answer, she asked it again. Why aren't I in this picture? I see mommy and daddy and brother and sister, but I don't see me. Why? Tell me, and don't tell me I wasn't born yet. Well, mom, barely restraining herself from shouting, said, But that's the answer to your question. You had not been born yet. And she said, well, then if I wasn't born yet, where was I? And mom said, you were in heaven. The little girl pondered for a moment, calmly took the picture album, put it away. And on the way back to her room, she stopped and glared at her mother. And she said, well, I'm sure not there now. The little girl may be there now. I don't know. (laughs) Her mom may have killed her right there. Just teasing. 
got to put that in there now for all these people that get offended so easily. Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven, or I knew a man caught up into the third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, there must be a first and a second. Wouldn't you agree? Well, the scripture talks about that. The first heaven mentioned is the sky. It's visible. We call the atmosphere, the troposphere. And when the scripture refers to that, it's pretty clear. Isaiah 55, 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven. It's the place where the hydrological cycle, we just had one of those yesterday and today, where the water comes from. We think of our atmosphere. And so sometimes in the scripture, it speaks about the heavens. It's talking about the sky, about what we can see. It's, it is visible. Psalm 147, 8 says, God covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth. The second level Space, it's also visible. It's the planetary area. The area where the stars and the moons and the planets move about. In Genesis 1, listen to what God said. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. He goes on to say lights, two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, and he made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. This heaven is the heaven of the planets, the stars, the moons. The psalmist refers to this also. Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2 and verse 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. So, heavens can be the atmosphere, It's visible. Heavens can be space, the universe, and it's visible. We can see some of it anyway. But the third heaven is where God lives, and I call it the spiritual heaven. It's invisible. I mentioned to you earlier that we don't see the the spiritual dimension around. We have no idea the demonic war and the angelic forces around us all the time. We can't see them, but they're real. This heaven is where God is. And it's a definite place. God dwells with his angels and all the saints of all the ages who have been redeemed. That's the heaven we want to concentrate on for just a moment. So why did Jesus put in there our Father who is in heaven? You see, that's not a throwaway phrase. It's important. Father is a relationship. He used the word Abba, It's the word um, that we have a relationship with God. He's near to us. He loves us. He's our father. But he's in heaven. He's still God. So so see, they they complement one another. We we come to God as, as, as his children, but we also need to remember that he is God. Thomas Tion and David Abernathy put it this way. Let me read it to you. There is a combination of intimacy and eminence as well as God's transcendence. 
It reveals a dramatic new relationship made possible between God and people and reminds us of the nature of our relationship to God. There is a mixture of confidence in God as Father and humility and reverence as the one in heaven. As Father, God is concerned for the needs of his children. And as the one in heaven, he is all-powerful to meet those needs. The believer prays with confidence because God as Father is willing to hear and with humility because God is in heaven and has the right and power to answer. Do y'all see how they go together? In heaven refers to heaven as the center of the universe, the seat of all authority, power, dominion, and greatness. They were just singing about that. The throne of God. And to say that we are on earth means that we pray from a position of weakness. We don't know everything, even though I've met people who think they do. We don't know everything. And when we pray knowing that God is in heaven, that means God's perspective is infinitely greater than our perspective. He sees all. His authority outstrips ours. His control supersedes our own. His strength outmatches ours. His abilities outshine us. We pray dependent on God and his own divine prerogative. It's easy to tell God that what we need and try to convince him. But you remember that show? You, you gotta have hair of my color to remember this show. Father knows best. That's the truth. Because God is in heaven, Father knows best. Now while we're focused on heaven, and we know that God rules from heaven with all authority and dominion and power, I want us to mention a couple of things about heaven. First of all, I want to mention the permanent removal in heaven. The third heaven is more than just merely a place. It's where God is and where you and I are going when we die in the Lord. You will be set free. Sin keeps us in bondage. And we've been rescued. We were captive. And Jesus set us free. And we get a little taste of it here when we're forgiven of our sin, when we repent. But when you get to heaven, you're going to be free. What are you going to be free from? Let me tell you some stuff that's not going to be there. First of all, you're free from the assault of the arch enemy, Satan. He's not going to be there. I want to be standing there when God kicks him into the bottomless pit. It's when Jesus does. In fact, I'm going to volunteer. Jesus, can I do it? Satan ever bother you? His demonic forces ever bother you? Can you imagine being in a place where he can't touch you, that's going to be awesome. You won't have any temptations. 
We're going to be free from the strain of separation. There is no separation there. When John wrote about the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21, first thing he said was, and there was no more sea. Now, some of us got to go to the Isle of Patmos this last June, and it's 17, 20 miles from the mainland. John was exiled there from all the people that he loved. It's a lot prettier there now than probably when John was there. But the fact is he was out there and the first thing he noticed when he saw the new Jerusalem, there was no more sea, no more separation. We get separated, don't we? There won't be any goodbyes. You don't have to say goodbye. From John's perspective, that was important to him because we have to say goodbye to people that we love and we're separated for a while, but when we get there, you're free from that. You're free from the tears of anguish and despair and frustration. You folks ever get frustrated? Do you ever feel despair? Do you ever feel anxiety and anguish? Everyone in this room has some anguish and anxiety. Everyone in this room has some sorrow. Everyone in this room has some what despair and frustration. You won't have any more of that. They won't sing that song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. <laughs> We're free from death. Death is separation. When you, when, the, when you die, your spirit separates from the body. Your body's put in the ground. Your spirit goes into eternity. You either go with God or you go to the holding tank for judgment. That's my word, holding tank. That's not what the scripture calls it. But if you're a believer, you'd go into the very presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5. The second death is eternal separation from God. Death is separation. There won't be any more death. There's not a person in this room who hasn't been touched some way by death. I got to confess to you, I've been here long enough, I bury my friends now. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like standing in front of caskets. I don't like standing in cemeteries. I don't like standing in funeral parlors. I don't like death. When we get to heaven, there won't be any more. Now, I will tell you that all death can do for a Christian Death has no sting in it for a Christian because death runs an escort service home. Incidentally, death is all around us. Every second, 1.78 deaths occur. I don't know how you can have three quarters of a death, but 107 deaths per minute. 6,390 deaths per hour, 153,000 deaths per day in our world, 56 million deaths per year. And if you've lived to be 70, 3.9 billion deaths in your lifetime. 
We weren't made for death. Death entered as a curse. If you sin, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Death entered. But I want to tell you, when we get to heaven, no more dying. None of that. We're going to be free from the sorrow that comes from regrets and remorse. Do do you regret anything you've done this week? Do you regret anything you've done with your life? Wouldn't you like to have some do-overs? Are you regret the mistakes you've made? I want to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're free from that anymore because you've been forgiven. You're not going to spend eternity living in regret. You're going to be praising the one who died for your sin and gave you new life and forgiveness. We're going to be free from crying. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more sorrow. No more crying. (laughs) Little Billy watched as they brought his newborn sister home from the hospital and put her in the crib and she was kicking and screaming and crying. And Billy asked his mom, where did she come from? And she simply said, heaven, heaven. And Billy said, no wonder they let her go. (laughs) You and I are not going to be crying in heaven. There will be no more pain. Any of y'all got any pains? If you don't, just live a couple of more days, you will. No more drugstores, no hospitals, no painkillers, no more ambulances, no prescriptions. You're going to be free from sin. No more sin. No more misunderstandings. No more offenses. You'll be free from fear. We live in fear. We do. You won't admit it, but you do. You're afraid of the economy. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of disease. You're afraid of this. We we just live in fear all the time of some kind. I'm not saying it's a crippling fear, but but we live in fear and anxiety and and, and we're, we're worried. And let me tell you, you won't have any more of that. There's some stuff that's permanently removed in heaven. It won't ever be back. Amen? Now let's talk about the promised rewards in heaven. What do you have to look forward to? Look, a lot of people don't get excited. Why? Well, first of all, we don't have a complete concept of it because we couldn't handle it. You know, God is infinite and heaven is and eternal and we could not understand all of it. If, we, if he gave us too much information, we probably would be reluctant to stay here, even in Texas. And not only that, but a lot of you have your idea of heaven. Have you ever noticed how skewed it is in the movies? Now, I'm not talking about, well, even those that are Christians that write them, they can't describe heaven, but, but Hollywood with the writers that, 
that are not Christians, they don't even come close because every time they have somebody die and they didn't go to hell, they never show them in hell. But, but they always show them going someplace filled with smoke. Just smoke everywhere. Folks, there's no smoking in heaven. <laughs> You're not going to be surrounded by clouds and fog and all of that looking. Is there anybody else here? Oh, well, look, I have found somebody. Really? You're not going to be on a cloud. What do you got to look forward to? You're not going to be sitting in church for eternity. So what have you got to look forward to? Well, first of all, your Redeemer is going to be there. Hebrews 9, 24 says, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The Lord is in heaven with the Father. Jesus is there. You're going to recognize him. Have you ever thought about, you've never seen him though, have you? Neither have I. None of us have. We sing about him and praise him and worship him and look forward to his return and we pray in his name, but, but we've never seen him. You ever thought about what it's going to be like to see him for the first time? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. Jesus is there. When Jesus ascended, he went to heaven. He's there. He's in a place. He's with the Father. And we're going to be able to see him with our own eyes. I can't help but believe that he will bear for eternity the scars from the cross to remind us of the price that was paid for you and I to be there. Not only will the Redeemer be there, but our relatives and our relationships, right out beside their relationships, because the people who have died in Christ are there. Hebrews 12, 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Did you know everyone who's died in faith in Christ is there with him? Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, now this is talking about the, what I call the rapture, Jesus returning, to take his church. He says, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, it seems to me like if you're gonna bring somebody with you, they were with you to begin with. Are y'all with me? And did you know that every time this New Testament mentions the death of a believer, it talks about them going to sleep. Doesn't mean their soul sleeps. It means the body sleeps. Sleep is temporary. Sleep sometimes is welcome. Some of you are doing well right now. And if you leave rested, that's fine with me. But sleep is temporary. It is not permanent. It is sometimes welcome. 
And it's always talked about for, the, for a believer when they die, they go to sleep. That doesn't mean your soul sleeps because it goes to be with Jesus, but you're going to be given a new body. But what I want you to understand is that every one of your relatives who died in Jesus and all of your friends who died in Jesus, they are there with him. Jesus is going to bring them with him when he comes to get us. What a reunion that'll be. You ever thought about what you're going to put on your epitaph? On the headstone? I tell you what I want on mine. Here lies the shell of a man, the nut's gone to heaven. You be sure my wife puts that on mine. <laughs> this is a real one. It's up in the Northeast. It's on an actual headstone. It says, here lies the body of old man Pease, buried beneath the flowers and trees, but Pease ain't here, just the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. <laughs> that is true. We're gone. We're gone to heaven. All of your loved ones who died in Christ, you didn't lose them. You know where they are. You also have a residence there. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, we find an interesting verse. It says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. And he was talking about the disciples casting out demons. He said, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. When you gave your life to Jesus, you committed your life to him, your names were written down in heaven. The Lamb's Book of Life is there. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But it means you have a reservation. You got a title deed to some property there. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions, many dwelling places, whatever you want to call it. He just said, you've got one of them. You've got a residence there. When you draw your last breath, you're going to step into the presence of the Lord. You also have resources there. <laughs> Our inheritance is there. Pastor was preaching about inheritance in heaven, and he mentioned in his sermon that money was not that important in the afterlife because you're not going to need money in heaven. In heaven, there is no money. One little boy leaned over to his mom and said, Mom, did you hear that? We're already in heaven. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. I don't know everything that's in that inheritance, but I do know all the riches of God's glory and grace are set aside for you and me in heaven. And our Father is there. And so when we pray our Father in heaven, you, we have a relationship with him. He's still God. One day we're going where he is. 
Our Savior is there. Our brothers and sisters are there. Our name is there. Our inheritance is there. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And heaven, where does it start? To start when you die? Mm-mm. It starts now. Because see, the Savior came to give you new life and to forgive you of your sin. And then he gave his life for the church. And you know what the church is? It's the beginning of heaven on earth. Are you kidding me? I don't want to spend, if that's heaven, I don't want to go. (laughs) They're going to be perfect in heaven. I know they're not now, but they will be. In a moment, we're going to close in a different way today. At the very end, I'm going to play you something I think will get you all fired up, ready to go. We got a bus waiting on you right outside. (laughs) I don't know how long the Lord has given us here on the earth. He told us to teach us to number our days. Every day is precious. But I want you to know that when you draw your last breath here, you're not giving up anything. You're gaining everything. God did a great job creating the world. We're the ones that messed it up. Can you imagine being in a place where sin has not touched it? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us call you Father. Thank you for letting us have a relationship with you. Thank you for the privilege of coming to you as a child. At the same time, you are God in heaven. You are the creator. You are the ruler. There's no one higher than you. Nothing higher than you. And so, Lord, thank you for the promises that we have. That as your children, we get to come home one day and be with you. Until that time, would you help us to bring others into that kingdom? Help us to live in a way that we represent our citizenship, which is in heaven I pray for those who don't know Jesus. God, we pray that you'd open their eyes, that it's not confirmation, it's not church. The church doesn't give eternal life, only Jesus does. I pray that people would see that just being baptized doesn't give eternal life, only faith in Jesus Christ does. And so we pray for those that need Jesus. Lord, I think about all of the folks at Southcrest that I personally know that are there. Help us to be faithful as they were while they were here. I pray for people who need a church home, Lord. They don't have any idea. And as sweet as these people are, it's just the beginning, a little taste of eternity. It's a little taste of the fellowship and relationships that we'll have. I pray that you would bring people here if this is where you want them to be. In Jesus' name. 
thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.